0: Hey, welcome to Evangel. Today, our lead pastor, Josh Shaldahl has a teaching for you. So open up your Bible and listen in. Hey, we are in the, the second week of a message series called Foundations. And um, I told you last week, I'm already in fall in my mind because we're gearing up for so many things this fall and this spring for our church. And I want to start to build a foundation now so that when we get there, we're already running. Okay, so we started a series last week called Foundations and... Just ask the question, if God was building a church, what would the foundation be? If he was building this church, which we hope and believe that he is, what is the foundation that he would build on? What are the tools that he would use to build the church that he would want to exist, and how do we become his church? And last week talked about God's foundation What Jesus actually came to do and who he came for. And Jesus built on the foundation of the person. He built on the foundation of the body, the corporate body, people together. And he built on the foundation of his own gospel, of his own word. The word that he actually fulfilled with his life and death and resurrection. That is what the gospel, that's what this whole thing is built on, the foundation. And I want to take it a step further this week. Last week we talked about what Christ came to build. This week, I want to talk about, I want to center on that gospel and what that gospel came to build inside of each one of us. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to read from Corinthians again, uh, the same verse I did last week, kind of our series text that we're using, and then I'm going to read out of Ephesians uh, for the text that I want to get into today. So if you have a Bible, I'm reading out of the message version today. Uh, I'm in 1 Corinthians 3 and Ephesians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, 9-15 through 15 says this, or to put it another way, you are God's house. Using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I design blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. We are all little carpenters in the house of God, and every one of us is called to build unto his house with our lives. And it says here that we are to be careful and to consider what we are building on to make sure that we are building our lives, everything that we're doing, that it's built on the foundation. And then it says, remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. And he says, build as a carpenter, build the house based on Jesus Christ. Build your life, build the church, build God's kingdom based on the person of Jesus Christ. Then it says, take particular care in picking out your building materials, Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheaper, inferior materials, you'll be found out. But the inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. But you won't be torn out. You'll survive, but just barely. Essentially, it's saying, make sure that what you do in life, you're building with eternal things. That the building materials that you're using are of eternal value, and not just temporary value where they're going to decay just with the rest of the world, and even with our own bodies eventually. But build something that lasts, and build it on the foundation of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 3, verse 7, we have our text for today that I want to get into, and it says this, this is Paul again, he says, this is my life work. This is my life work. You think about a guy like Paul, who preached so many places, accomplished so much, wrote so much of the New Testament, and he says in one encapsulating statement, this is my life's work, helping people understand and respond to the message. Helping people understand and respond to the message. He centers what his whole life is going to be about on this gospel, on this good news story about Jesus that he's experienced in his life. And many here today have experienced in in their lives or in our lives. He continues and says, It came, the gospel came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. Isn't it a relief that Paul was also over his head in understanding God? I'm the only one. Alright, I, I just think that's a relief. <laughs> the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. He's in over his head trying to explain and understand these inexhaustible riches and generosity that we find in Jesus. Jesus. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among uh, the angels. Verse 11 All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in Him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down, but be proud. One of my sports that I love and that I try to play as much as I can during the summer is tennis. I, for some reason, I'm an individual sports kind of person. I don't know why, um, because I don't want anybody, depending on my lack of coordination maybe, that might be the problem, but I, I, love, I love tennis because it's just me in my own head against somebody else in their own head. And tennis is half skill and half uh, mental, or probably 90% mental in my case because there's not a lot of skill. But one thing I know about tennis and about many sports is one of the key parts of it is to continue to move your feet, even when you're really tired. Uh, To continue to move your feet because what happens in soccer or in basketball uh, when you stop moving your feet all of a sudden you just foul or you just hit somebody because you're tired and you've stopped hustling you've stopped moving forward I don't know how many of you have had a coach say move your feet they're going you know And in tennis, what happens is if you stop moving your feet, you kind of scoop at the ball, and then if you're me, you feel like you're golfing because the ball just sails over the net, over your opponent's head, over the back of the court, over the fence, over the tree, over the sidewalk, in my case, over the street, and into somebody's front yard. And it's like, well, I thought I hit the ball really well, but you didn't move your feet, and you scooped it, and it went flying, and we did this the other day and the ball hit a tree and I saw where it hit the tree and I figured it had to drop right below the tree and we went out to look for the ball and nobody could find it and eventually you find yourself thinking well maybe it didn't hit the tree right there you know so you move a little bit further out and then you think well maybe it didn't actually hit the tree at all so you move a little bit further out and you're further and further away from the tree and then you you look and all of a sudden you're 50 yards away from the tree and you're like okay I'm I definitely am off track, because the ball definitely hit the tree. So you start back over, and you go, and you look, and sure enough, the ball dropped right below the tree, right where you saw it fly into the tree. Listen, the gospel is the same way, because we start looking for a gospel sometimes that lands where we want it, rather than where it actually landed, and we start to build our own message. We start to build our own gospel, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves way off in left or right field looking for a gospel that fits us rather than a gospel that actually exists and landed right where God intended it to. And in keeping with the theme of construction, uh, there's something in construction that's used that I know very little about. Google knows a lot about. Some of you will know a little bit about, but it's called a plumb line. And a plumb line is, uh, you know, I just thought of this out of my experience. A tool that consists of a small, heavy object attached to a string or rope and that is used especially to see if something such as a wall is perfectly vertical. I didn't know that. But a plumb line is something that's weighted that you drop down to make sure that a wall is vertical or that something is on point. And the gospel message, as we build a foundation as a church, as you build a foundation for your life, This gospel message, not the one you create and fit your life into, or the gospel that you make fit your life, but the gospel-centered message of Jesus is the plumb line for our lives. And it is the plumb line for our church. And we have to sometimes look at that plumb line and say, whoa, the wall is not straight. We're not even building on the foundation anymore. We are way off in left or right field. And we have to reevaluate and say, am I keeping pace with this plumb line gospel that Jesus set up? See, we are all carpenters in God's house building His message. And that means that we have to be careful to build on the foundation. We have to be careful to make sure to check our lives, to check what our church does, and make sure that we're not just doing things. We're not just involved in Christian activities, but that we are actually using the plumb line gospel to direct our lives and to direct our church, Paul says, this is my life work. This is my foundation to help people understand and respond to the message. When he looks at his life in different situations that he came to, he says, this is my plumb line. This is what I go back to to make sure that I'm on target. It is simply helping people understand and respond to the message of the Gospel. What defines your life? What is the plumb line that you go back to To know whether you're on course or off course. Is it popularity? Is it money? Is it your own sense of satisfaction? For a follower of Jesus or for a body of believers called a church following Jesus, the plumb line has got to be the Gospel. It's got to be this message of Christ. And So I want to draw out from the text in Ephesians a few plumb line principles. A few principles that you can take and look at your life and say, Uh, Either I'm, I'm matching this plumb line gospel or else I've gotten a little bit off course and I need to realign the way that I'm living my life. I need to realign the way that I'm building. And even for our church, as we step into this next season, we need to take a look at this plumb line and make sure that it's lining up with who God has called us to be. The first plumb line principle, Paul says this, he says, I was the least qualified. Oh, come on. There should be great rejoicing. <laughs> because there's so many times that I look at my life and I say, I am the least qualified. If God could have picked the best, he shouldn't have picked me. It's the Gideon principle from the Old Testament where God searches throughout the land and he, he meets this young man who's unqualified and he says, you are my mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, dude, you stopped by the wrong mill." There's one down the road. You know, so-and-so's son is there. That's who you're looking for. Thanks for swinging by. But God says, no, you're my, my mighty warrior. Even though you're the weakest in your clan, you're, you're from the weakest clan, you're the weakest in your clan, you're the weakest in your family, you're the one that I have chosen. And God consistently in Scripture looks to people that the world or in and of themselves feel unqualified. And God says, I qualify you. Because I work in you, you are now qualified to do this thing that I've called you to do. You have Paul who killed Christians, and and God says, I'm going to qualify you to spread the gospel around the world through these letters. It's the God who works qualification into our lives. And He would qualify you today for the task that He has set before you. You see, the plumb line gospel has nothing to do with your strength. A gospel that's based on your strength and your ability has really emptied the cross of power and has started to evaluate your own power. We're not meant to live that way. We are meant to live in light of the cross's power, in light of Christ's power at work within us. And that's what we draw from. And too many times we draw from the wrong well and we seek strength in the wrong places. The plumb line gospel is that God would qualify the unqualified to do the unquantifiable. That God would take the least, the most unqualified, and He would look at them and He'd work something within them or within you that is qualifiable. And from there, who knows where it can go, but He says, I'll do something in you that is unquantifiable. Unquantifiable. More than you think, more than you imagine, more than you thought that I could ever do you before. If, if this is not the plumb line of your life, if you've begun to look at your own strength, or if you've begun to search after some other gospel that depends on you, then your plumb line is off. Because we're dependent on a message that says, God qualifies us to do His work. I don't qualify myself. See, if you compare yourself to other people, and they become your qualification, I'm doing better than this person, or I'm doing worse than that person, and that decides whether I feel qualified, you're not following a plumb line gospel. You're following the gospel of your own life and your own qualification. And the Bible says, apart from God, you can do nothing. But we serve a God who qualifies unqualified people, even some in this place today. The second plumb line principle is Paul says, God saw to it that I was equipped. Not only did He qualify me, but the Bible says that He will equip me. He will cause me to have dependence on Him. When I realize that I can't do what I need to do in my own strength, He's going to equip me to accomplish, equip me to do what I need to do. He will put the tools in your hands. He will put the mindset in your mind. He will put the resolve in your heart to equip you to do what you can't do on your own. It's the whole story of Moses that God takes a shepherd and Moses says, I'm not equipped to do anything, even lead a bunch of dumb sheep around the pasture. And God says, what's in your hand? Moses responds, a staff. God says, that is symbolic of my authority that I've put in your hand. And all of a sudden, some shepherd who wasn't equipped to accomplish anything has been equipped by God to deliver masses of people from the most powerful nation in the world. It's not what you've put in your own hand. It's not the talent or ability that you have perfected in your own life. It's the ability that God has to put in your life. It doesn't depend on your skill. It depends entirely on His ability, on what He wants to accomplish. His plan is so far beyond our own scope of what we think God could do. You have to understand that when you look at God and you evaluate the scope and the trajectory of your life, He is on a whole different level than what you initially see. And He has far greater plan for you than what you could think or imagine. See, the plumb line gospel says that God will equip the unequipped. That even if you don't feel like you have anything to offer, God will put something in your own hand, His source of strength, to accomplish it. Those who believe most in their own strength will see the least of His strength. Those who believe most in their own strength will see the least amount of His strength. Because why do you need His when you believe you have your own? But it is dependence on Him that causes us to rise to the occasion that He has for our lives. The third one is this. Paul says, I'm invested in things that are way over my head. The plumb line gospel, not only do you check the plumb line to make sure that it is equipping you and that it's chosen you, but, but the plumb line gospel will also overwhelm you. The nature of this message that we follow is that God will overwhelm the already overwhelmed. That you come to a realization that this message of the gospel is too wonderful for you, it's too great for you, that there is an all-knowing God and you're not it. That He understands the whole plan. He understands how everything is working together. And there comes this point in our lives where we have to kind of give up that control that we're not going to understand everything. We're not going to understand. It's too much. It's overwhelming. But the the chase after God, the pursuit of God, will also overwhelm. Because the more we pursue Him, the Bible says that if you seek Him, surely you will find Him. And the more that you seek Him and you find Him, the more that you taste and see that He is good, the more hungry you will get. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will see God. And there's this 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 aspect of the Gospel that's overwhelming that we can't understand, but there's also another overwhelming aspect that the more we do understand, the more we're overwhelmed in our emotions and in our heart by the power and the intricacy of this Gospel that we follow. Don't let the Gospel lose its luster in your life. If it's lost its sense of pursuit, then your plumb line is off. Because there's so much to know, and so much to see, and so much to taste, and so much to seek out. That if you've adhered to a gospel that is boring or dull, then you have missed the plumb line. Because it is life giving, and it is powerful, and it is dynamic, and it is thousands of years old, but still as powerful as the very day it was written down on tablets. That is the plumb line gospel. If you don't see it that way, you've missed this Gospel of Jesus and the power that's contained in it. This plumb line will create a recurring sense of wonder as you discover more of God. There should be a sense of awe and wonder. The more that we know Him, the more that we seek Him to find Him, there's a sense of wonder that's attached. Number four, Paul says that God has been doing This Gospel in secret and behind the scenes all along, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known. Another aspect, a principle of a plumb-line Gospel is that it will reveal what has been concealed. Listen, aren't you glad that in our walk with Jesus, as, as believers in Jesus, you don't have to create anything. When the world asks you for an answer, you don't have to magically create an answer. When somebody needs a miracle, you don't have to create a miracle you simply get to pull away the veil and let God be revealed. Jesus didn't come about creating great ideas or, or creating things that would happen. Jesus simply revealed the nature of the Father. He simply revealed who the Father was and what He was able to do. And in your life, your job is not to create for God. When God calls you to do something, it's not your job to step up and create something. Like, like God really needs your help. You know, well, I better I better perform well. You know, God's really depending on me to preach this message, you know. I All right, I'm going to stand like this and I'm going to give it to him. As if it all depends on me. No, I'm simply here and you're simply here to use the gift God has given you to reveal the Father. He is the creator. We simply get to live in His light and reveal it to those around us. That's why we have to understand it so that we can live it in a way that is magnetic and revealing to the people that are around us. The plumb line gospel will continue to reveal. It does not stagnate. Listen, this is is the catch, okay? If you want to take one thing home that you should do in your life, this is what you need to remember. All of this, this gospel depends on your personal revelation. We're not a church that that looks solely to corporate revelation, that we would all have this aha moment of God. But your walk with the Lord totally depends on God speaking to you and revealing Himself to you. There must be personal revelation happening in your life. Not just revelation you get from me, or you get from a podcast, or you get from a family member. But this walk with the Lord, this relationship has to develop into personal revelation where God speaks and you respond. How do I serve Jesus? God will speak, you respond. God will speak again, you respond again. God will speak again, you won't respond. God will speak about that same thing again, you still won't respond. God will speak again, you respond. It is the whole thing. If you're struggling and you're walking with the Lord, if you've kind of you know hit that spot where you've really slowed down, And you don't know what's the matter. Go back to the the thing God told you to do. What he spoke to you to do. And this time, instead of ignoring it, respond to it. And when you respond, God will tell you to do the next thing. It is the whole, this walk with the Lord, this knowing Jesus is a heartbeat. And it just keeps moving. He reveals, you respond. He reveals, you respond. He reveals, we respond. That's how the the body of Christ is living. It is alive. It's supposed to be thriving and growing. But we have a body of Christ that is losing all of its blood because God is speaking and nobody's responding or nobody's listening. And all of a sudden, we are dead in the water. And the body of Christ looks like a, a worn out, tired, hopeless group of people. Because there is no daily personal revelation. God gave manna in the wilderness to the Israelites to feed them every day. He said, eat it today because tomorrow it will be spoiled. It was symbolic of what God wants to do in your life today. He gives you manna. He gives you bread to live on. Revelation that He wants to speak to you. And you need it today because tomorrow it might spoil. You need it every day. And then you just respond to Him. I don't know how to grow in my walk with the Lord. He will speak. You will respond. Today, God will speak to somebody in this place. You need to begin to serve Jesus wholeheartedly. You maybe need to lay something down in your life. He is speaking. Are you listening? And it's not enough just to hear. But you must respond. It's It's the aspect of obedience. That he reveals what has been concealed. And we respond to it. I just want to give you one more today. The plumb gospel has been proceeding along lines planned by God, planned all along by God. The gospel that we follow is God's plans for the unforeseen in your life. We serve a God who is all-knowing. He has foreknowledge. He knows what is coming. He knows what has happened. He knows what's, what lies in the future in your life. This gospel that we adhere to is God's plans for the unseen circumstances in your life. What does that mean? Whatever you're about to walk into, whatever is about to happen to somebody in your family, whatever fear or anxiety develops in your heart over the future, you can know that God has already walked there. That he has already been through. By his foreknowledge, he knows it's coming. So he's brought the right people around you. He's put you in the position of support. He's speaking to you right now about the next thing you're supposed to do. It's so hard to follow God. I don't know how to respond to him. He has already, if he brought you to the point where he revealed it to you, he has already revealed the path for you to walk through. Before God ever split the water for the Israelites to walk through, God had planned it to happen. He knew long before they ever came to that trial that he was going to open that water for them to walk through. And in the same way, in your life, God is is aligning circumstances. He's putting the people around you. And when, when you come to that point, he's just updating your status on what he's already put into place. He's already put the people around you. He's already given you the, He's already set the revelation in place that you need to get through that circumstance. It's already there because He knows. He has foreknowledge. He knows you're going to walk into it. So it is insanity for us to walk through those situations without Him because He has provided the way through. He is the God who plans the unforeseen in your life. There's no reason for fear or for doubt or for anxiety or regret, or shame, or any of those things to hold on, because God hems you in behind, and he hems you in before. He's taken your future in his hand, he's taken your past in his hands, and he's going to lead you right where he needs you to be. This is the gospel message that we are centered on, that anybody is welcome in this place, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your life looks like, you are welcome here, because no matter what it has looked like, we believe God is hemming you in behind. And that there's a plan that he's revealing in your life before. And I just want to be a part of that in somebody else's life. Because maybe my moment where I enter into their life is the moment God said, that's the moment that they'll first believe in me. Or that's the moment when I will break their depression that they've had for so long. Or that's the moment when they will have a revelation of me unlike anything they've ever experienced. And we just get to be a partner in that. It's not on us. We just partner with what he's already doing. Listen, we are not meant to stagnate. We are not meant to just sit still. We're not meant to wonder if God is there. We are meant to beat with his heart and walk with his feet and serve with his hands and reach the way that he would reach. We are meant to be in step with him. And if our, if our lives are anything different, then the plumb line has gone a little bit off course. And we need to reevaluate. Will you stand with me? wrap up this way Paul ends Ephesians in verse 320 and 21 and he says this about this plumb line gospel he says God can do anything you know what if that was the first phrase that came to your mind every time you heard somebody's backstory or every time somebody wondered about their future story if you just said God can do anything you know What if that was just second nature to us, that instead of fretting or complaining or freaking out, we just said, God can do anything, you know? I'm not qualified, I'm not equipped, but God can do anything, you know? I don't know what the future holds, but God can do anything, you know? Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request. In your wildest dreams, He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, His Spirit deeply and gently within us. He does not come with a hammer. He does not come to shove you through a tiny little hole that you have to fit in to be able to be a part of his family. But today, right now, in this moment, there's some of you that he is nudging and he is wooing and he is drawing and he is touching your heart in a way that you haven't experienced before. And right now, you can feel it and you know it. And it's simply this. He doesn't push you. He just calls you. He just draws you to the unqualified here today he says I know you don't believe in yourself but I will qualify you let me do the work in you To those who feel unequipped, he says, let me put something in your hand that will change the world. To those that are overwhelmed, he says, let me just increase your wonder. Let me just increase what you know about me. To those that need something revealed, he says, I see behind and I see before. And I will lead and I will guide you. To those that don't know what the next plan is, God is leading you. Maybe there's somebody who doesn't know where you're being led to what God's calling you to do. And today he's just speaking into your heart in a still, small voice, assuring you that he is present and assuring you that he is able. We're so glad you joined us today. Our hope is that you're challenged and encouraged by these teachings every week. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. Send us an email at mystory@goevangel.org. For more information about our church, check us out online at goevangel.org.